Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is December 10th and this is podcast number 26, I think. Uh, it's a Sunday and we're happy to be back. Uh, thank you guys for joining and clicking on this video or uh, downloading this on your uh, phone or podcatcher, whatever you, however you listen, we appreciate it. You're happy to be back. I'm just happy to be alive. <laughs> yeah, because last week you were, you uh, you turned the big 58. 58. And the Montreal Canadiens on the same day turned 108. Yeah, you guys share the same birthday. We do. 50 years apart, exactly. Mm, that's there's a something special about Strange that. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's uh, quite a bit to talk about. I'll just go through the topics just quickly. I did this before and then I stopped doing it, but I'll do it today. Uh, we're going to talk about Ottawa and the contract stuff that's going on there. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about the Vegas tweet, the Carolina relocation, New York Islanders arena situation, Calgary Flames arena situation, Jaden Schwartz milestones as we usually do uh, I'll talk about Ovechkin we'll talk about the streaks which we usually do Paul Romanuk, Paul Romanuk and Gary Galley <laughs> uh, some commercials and stuff and then I have some stuff about Gary Bettman nice. and then, yeah we're gonna review the games on your list and I'm sure you have other stuff too to talk about so yeah a little bit about the Russian or not the Russian decision but the IOC decision on on Russia's participation in the Olympics right. I think that impacts on things that we care about and there's some other uh, I of all things, I know it's a post-to-post podcast and it's mostly hockey, but we venture into other areas sometimes. I was just totally captivated by the Army-Navy football game yesterday, and I want to talk about that. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely chat about that later. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so I'll, as as usual, I'll go with my list, and then we'll go with your list. Sure thing. So Ottawa is the first thing on my list, and um, Ottawa <laughs> Senators have asked its players uh, with no trade clauses to submit their the teams that they would not be traded to. So these are players like Carlson, who mm. has a no-trade clause, but... Uh, they I, partial no-trade clause, right? Yeah, yeah. partial no-trade clause. And it's... People are worried because they think that Eugene Melnick or the team in general wants Carlson out because of what he said a couple of weeks ago when he said he's going to get paid what he deserves, whether that's in Ottawa or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And Melnick said that he's not going to get a hometown discount. And, uh, or, I can't, I shouldn't say that. Maybe a hometown bonus. Hometown, so. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. I, I can't remember. But, yeah. Uh, he, Ottawa fans are worried that Carlson is on his way out the door because of, they just asked who is, what teams he didn't want to get traded to because his contract's coming up. If he's going to get paid 12 or $13 million, how much room does that leave for other people? on the team to, to come in and help the team when one player is making 13 or 14 million dollars it's mm-hmm. a pretty you know you're shooting yourself in the foot almost cap wise um and especially with his play in the last four well this season i guess basically yeah, what have you done for me lately yeah so it's really it, it's it's tough but uh i think that it's just a negotiation tactic a little i think it's a fear tactic towards the team and what I mean by that is they're just they're they're letting the team know without actually saying it that they're looking to make trades because they're not doing well. I don't think that's directed specifically at Carlson. I think it's directed as a team in general to be like, hey, wake up or you're going somewhere else. And maybe that the people on the the players on the Ottawa Senators want to go somewhere else. Well they want to get traded. Maybe so, and if you look at the performance of the team this year, especially the last few weeks, uh, I can see people getting itchy, wanting to go to some place that might offer them an opportunity to succeed. And succeed in the NHL is only one thing. 
Yeah. And it's not yeah. it's not winning a president's trophy. No, and it's not Washington Capitals. No. Uh, seasonal. Yeah. And, and there's another dynamic here too. In the case of Carlson, we have to wonder. We, all of the hockey interested people on the planet, have to wonder if Carlson is at the peak of his value right now. Because right now he would probably get offered the kind of money that he earned last year. Not, not that he got the money last year, but he demonstrated that he deserves that kind of money last year. He right. hasn't demonstrated it this year. And I don't know if he's going to demonstrate it the remainder of this year or into the future. So I think his contract is up in the 2018, 2019. I think he's got two years left or something. One or two, yeah. Um, I wonder if he plays the way he's playing right now the rest of this season and he plays the same way the rest of next season. Do you think that brings down his overall value? I think it's already down, and I think it's, it would be down even farther. Oh, really? Well, if you were in charge of the St. Louis Blues, and mm. Carlson walked in the door, and you're the coach, and you, you had now owned him, where would, you, where would you start him? Where would you place him on the St. Louis D? As he's playing right now? Yeah. Um, He'd be third line D? No, I wouldn't put him that low. I would. I'd put him second, second pair, but... I'd be watching him like a hawk, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's really not playing that well. He's not. He's, he's not. And we speculated a while ago, maybe more than once, about mm -hmm. what's behind that. Maybe an injury we don't know of or a, a, an incomplete recovery from his foot injury that he had mm -hmm. last year. I don't know. He's definitely a streaky player, though. I remember yeah. watching him around the 60 to 70% mark of last year, and he changed a little bit. He wasn't... He was pretty dis defensively reliable, and then that moment came, and the giveaways just started coming and coming. Like just, he would just give away the puck and give away the puck and give away the puck. And then about three weeks before the season ended, he locked it up. He, he's really uh, good at, at holding onto the puck and not giving it away. And now at this season, he's kind of back to that giveaway game again. And I hope that he can turn it around. He's just, I don't know, he's, he's a bit streaky. And last year when he did have the giveaway problems, it still at that point he still had a bit of an offensive upside, which yeah, he doesn't seem to have. Not many people were talking about it because of that offensive yeah, upside. Yeah. But there's, it doesn't exist this year so far, so mm. it's tough. Uh, now, if, uh, you know this story better than I do, but I believe they've asked all the players who have that in their contract to disclose the teams they would not want to go to, not just Carlson, right? Yeah, that's what, that's yeah. what I said earlier. That. I it's it's did, a fear yeah. tactic for the entire team right. because... They, they're they're enlisting fear in every single person that, you know, you're, you could get traded and yeah. you could get traded soon because this team sucks. But, right and, you know, those players, though, like, can you sit there if you're Mark Stone or someone and say, oh, please don't trade me? I think the players that could get traded are, are maybe players that would be happy to see a new scenery. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Is anyone in love with playing in Ottawa? Anybody? Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I know of That's an interesting that question. I think Anderson loves playing in Ottawa. Uh, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Ottawa has a more emotional attachment mm -hmm. for him for a lot of very good reasons. And there, I'm sure there are other players who are in the same boat. Right. But uh, good grief. Uh, I think leaving, being traded away from Ottawa, w which is quickly becoming a bottom feeder, in the in the standings and almost is certainly not going to make the playoffs well they're one eight and one in their last 10 games yeah that's uh it's not going to get it done <laughs> the amount of teams you have to crawl over 
to get to that third spot in the Atlantic, yeah, I don't think is surmountable. They're going to go on, have to go on some kind of run or and, streak, and have the other teams tank at the mm. same time. I don't think that can happen. It's going to be tough for sure, but uh, you never know what could happen. Yeah, because now, Calgary did it last year. If I were a player on the Pittsburgh Penguins trying to three-peat for the Stanley Cup and things were going half-decent and there was a a fear that I might get traded, I wouldn't want to get traded in that sense because I'm already where I want to be. I don't think of a player in Ottawa who's where he wants to be. You think they're just getting tired of of the 1-3-1 structured system and they just want to play hockey instead of play strictly defensive hockey 90% of the time? Well, that that definitely could be it. Uh, I, I... don't watch enough of it and, and analyze the intricacies mm-hmm. that much. But the more independent and creative players, they want to play hockey in a more free-form way, right? If you look at Mark Stone, who is a pretty dynamic goal scorer, playing on the most structured defensive team in the league, you could argue, if he was on a team like Winnipeg or Tampa Bay, how 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 many more goals could he have? Yeah, he'd be flying. It, even Carlson himself, mm-hmm. if he was played on St. Louis or something, like you said, I wonder if he would be more offensively gifted on a on a different team. It'd be, it'd be interesting. You have to ask the question. If if I was in charge of the Ottawa Senators, I would trade Carlson because I don't, wouldn't want that contract. Like no. he's an amazing player, but I, he's just one player, and you need at least eighteen to win a cup. And if you give him what everyone right now thinks he's worth, mm-hmm. which is north of 10 for the for the next round of contract then how do you surround him with equally gifted people to make it that's and that a good go that's the problem and even with an expanded cap and it's not just the 14 million dollars for three years he's going to want uh duration on the contract as well it's going to be probably at least eight years or i think maybe is the cap eight years for contracts or 10 i can't remember I think I think there is a maximum. I think it's there's, eight at the most. There's definitely a maximum. Yeah. But I mean, if he gets fourteen million dollars for eight years, I mean, that's just and that's insanity in my opinion. But whatever, it's that's it over a tenth of a billion dollars. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I guess that concludes our Ottawa talk. We'll move on to the Vegas tweet. And for the people who don't know, the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter is a very fun place to be. It's if you're not following it, you should be. It's very funny. It's very active. Uh, it's sarcastic. It's witty. It's everything that you want it to be. Uh, but they have gotten into some, some trouble in the this season twice. Actually, this is the second time. The first time I can't remember what it was about, but they actually ended up deleting a tweet and then apologizing for it. And it happened again this week because uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were playing Nashville, and uh, Vegas tweet the Vegas Twitter tweeted out this. The other team scored, and reporters covering their team started clapping with a, like a sideways face. And uh, that's a big no-no in the press world. You know, you're supposed to be unbiased, even if you're covering your local team, or if you're, you know, it's a, you're the press. You're supposed to be completely unbiased for the most part, unless you work for the team. Mm. And uh, these people don't don't work for the Nashville Predators; they're the press. And uh, Jim Diamond of the Associated Press, who is one of the one, was one of the reporters there, uh, not saying that he was specifically was the one clapping, but he was a part of that. Um, he demanded an apology from the Golden Knights Twitter page or the the franchise, and they did. They they deleted the tweet and they apologized via Twitter. Um, they said something like, "We're sorry that we offended, or we're, we're sorry that 
the Nashville press was offended by our remarks or something like that. We we know that they have lots of pride or I don't know, something like that. But So the Nashville market sports reporters did cheer, apparently. Yes. So Vegas just reported that they cheered mm-hmm. and then expressed an opinion that that wasn't, that wasn't <coughs> cricket and that perhaps they shouldn't have. I don't know if they were all Nashville-based reporters. I don't know how you apologize for that if it's all the truth. I think it's baloney. You're allowed to have an opinion, and you're allowed to say what goes on. Now, maybe they broke some kind of code that's in the press box that says you don't talk about anything else in the press box that you see from other press people. I, I think that's part of it, yeah. But you, I, I, just, I just don't care. I mean, like, if you get, people get so offended by the stupidest blank well, especially these, days. these days it's it's just it's really frustrating and it's it's frustrating because they they, ha- they apologize because they had to because this is the world we live in now yeah so nashville saw someone's pants fall down and they pointed to it and laughed <laughs> and the person whose pants fell down is insulted because they they didn't do their belt up that day i guess but it's nashville's fault yeah okay i get it yeah it's 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 crazy it's like that time the the person got captain crunch and they cut the roof of their mouth on the Captain Crunch and sued for like millions of dollars and won against the company because they cut the roof of their mouth on the cereal. Like, what? America is a very, what they call litigious society. Litigious means, you know, at the, at the drop of a hat, you grab a lawyer and away you go. Yeah. I used to tell an anecdote when I taught paralegals back in my previous life about a woman, I believe she was in Texas, and she just bought a microwave. And one day she was taking her little toy poodle out for a walk and got caught in the rain. And when she got home, knowing that microwaves are magical things, she put the dog in the microwave to dry it off. And of course, we know what happened after that. She sued, apparently, now this is anecdotal, but she apparently sued the microwave company because it didn't say anywhere in the instructions that you could not use the (laughs) microwave to dry your pets. And she won. Apparently so. Wow. Uh, there are others that are even funnier than like, that. I, I don't, I don't want to look at the United States legal system with derision, or I think that's the right word. Yeah, it is. Uh, but it's, it's, it is comical. <laughs> some of the stuff. It is comical, and in Canada, we're not caught up to that yet. But we're not, we're not clean here <laughs> no, either. No, no, we're not. <laughs> not by a long no. shot. Uh, in Canada, we have evolved a judicial system that doesn't reward craziness to Mm. the same degree. But we have our share of craziness. Oh, absolutely. We have government apologies giving millions of dollars to people that were done wrong Mm -hmm. in the past. And I won't go any deeper than that because I'll just get angry. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, So the Carolina situation, there's been lots of talk of them potentially relocating because of attendance, because of the arena situation, but they've what was that? I don't know. Everything seems to still be working. Weird. Um, we just heard a noise, folks. Oh, I forgot to plug my laptop in. And uh, um, thank, thank goodness it wasn't the same kind of crash we had a couple of podcasts ago where mm. uh, the um, roof came down. This is going to be awkward for the podcast, but I do need to plug in my my laptop or it will All die. Right. So you can Would enter- you like me to talk about anything? Yeah, you, you entertain the people for the next 15 seconds. All right. Well, the St. Louis sale finally did go through, and it was sold to... St. Louis. Or uh, Carolina, thanks. Uh, he's able to correct me even when he's not on task. He's, you're going to knock. <laughs> oh, 
Anyway, the Carolina sale did go through and, and through, and one of the stipulations in the sale was that the team was to remain in Raleigh for a minimum of seven years. Yeah, because the arena lease ends in 2024. Exactly. Yeah, so the team can't move before then. Uh, yeah. Well, technically the team can move before then, but it's going to be so expensive for the new owner to break the lease deal that it's just it wouldn't be financially worth it. Okay. Because he's, like you said, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. He's mm-hmm. from Texas. He probably wants to move the team, but uh, <laughs> he, it's, it's good that the NHL made more stipulations that he couldn't move the team until the arena lease was done. Uh, so because I don't, I personally don't want to see Carolina, the, Hur- the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, leave the city. Uh, they have a history. They want a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think they should stay there. They have an established franchise. They've got established fans. Yeah, attendance is down and stuff. Um, but I think that's a lot to do with the success of the team in the past ten years, rather than anything else. They haven't been a competitive team, unfortunately. No. Uh, they're just starting to come around now. So. Uh, in 10 years from now, they could be in Tampa's situation. That's right. Who knows? So I, 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 I don't think we should give up on them uh, too soon. All right. Um, the Islanders, and this is a frustrating one for me because the, even the, just talking about the Islanders relocating is uh, just, there's, there's nothing, it's just so frustrating. So they're not allowed to go back to the Coliseum. Because Bettman doesn't want them back there. The NHL doesn't want them back there. It's an old building. And it's, it's been renovated since then to have even fewer fans. Yeah. yeah they they and, couldn't even do it. And that, like, rule-wise, it has it doesn't support enough fans. It doesn't house enough fans to be legally yeah. allowed to hold an NHL game or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're not allowed to play in the Barclays Center long-term. Uh, it's, only, it's a Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid situation right now. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get an arena built in Belmont Park. Uh, but there's issues there. There's other people competing for that land because they want to build a soccer stadium or something there or uh, some kind of other thing. Okay. Uh, and I don't know what the Islanders are going to do if they can't get that arena in Belmont Park or another location because you can't play over in Manhattan at Madison Square Garden because of the problem, mainly because of the owners, I think. And secondly... It's the busiest arena probably oh, yeah. in the world. You'd never get 41 nights there. No, you'd never. No. Um, the only benefit would be for the fans watching the Rangers and the Islanders play so much there because they'd each play each other four times. More, maybe. Maybe five or six. Mm, yeah, You're in the same division, right? Same. I think they play. There's at least four, sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. There's rumors that I can move to Hartford, they can move to Quebec City. No, the Islanders can't move anywhere. They're such a historic team. They've got multiple Stanley Cups. They've got such an important history to the NHL. The rivalry that they have with certain teams like Pittsburgh and uh, Tampa Bay and the Rangers, New Jersey. Uh, It's, it's, man, they've got some of the most important history in the league, even though they're not in the original six. Um, they've been around a long time, so mm-hmm. I'd really hate for the Islanders to move, unfortunately. Well, I hope the Belmont thing does go through. Uh, there are challenges, as you said. I think there's enough room in that vacant land across from the racetrack that you could probably put a soccer stadium and a hockey arena Oh, there. probably. It is served by train, but not subway, so transportation is going to be one of the biggest hurdles, and it's even farther out the island than Uniondale was. Yeah. So it's that much farther away from Queen's, 
which is, I think, the main catch area for the fan base. Mm. But it's not horribly far away. It's not farther away, really, than Canada is from downtown Ottawa. Right. Or than Sunrise is from downtown Miami. Mm. Or than Glendale is from downtown Phoenix. I think it's doable. And I think there's enough people in the metropolitan area, and particularly on the island itself, to put 16, 17, 18,000 people in an arena 41 nights a year. Mm. Uh, that it should go, and I really hope it does. And then there's that other uh, opportunity, which is on the northern coast of the island, up near the uh, the abandoned. I'm trying to think. Oh, of the name right, of it right. Again. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah, it's a place where they're looking at possible baseball relocation. There, well, it's where they've put the new Mets uh, stadium is in that same area. Yeah, it's it's close to Laguardia, right? Quite close to Laguardia. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think the Rangers are going to do in 20 years when the the MSG has been around for 70 or mm, longer than that i guess yeah i don't know they're they're renovating a lot of the train but infrastructure underneath penn station right now and i don't think it's going to affect the the hockey arena per se and they've just done a lot of renovations inside msg they but, have but it's going to be an old building it's built in like 68 or 68 60 yeah like that. It, it, well 67 i think actually so it's already 50 plus years old and in 20 more years, like you say, 70 years, mm-hmm. and so many things will have changed by then. Uh, there will be new ways of cooling the ice, probably, and new ways of lighting, and new ways of doing all kinds of things that won't retrofit in a place I like that. I think you can only renovate something like that so many times yeah. before you just need to, you know what. And when that time comes, there is nowhere else for the Rangers to play. Like, they'd have to play in New Jersey at the Prudential Center or something. Or I really don't know because they're, they'd they probably tear the Madison Square Garden down and just rebuild it new or something. I, d- I don't really know. I'm not an expert, obviously, but I'm not an engineer. Uh, but it's it'll be a tough time for the Rangers in 20 years from now, probably. And the last big wide area of real estate that was really available on Manhattan, as far as I know, is now being developed residential commercial business in these train yards that are along the Hudson right on the on the Brooklyn side uh, on the Jersey side actually oh. the one I'm thinking of it's along the Hudson River over around 12th 11th Avenue maybe around 35th all the way up to 45th uh, that area where the High Line ends at the oh, northern yeah, end of the yeah. High Line I thought there. they were putting up new buildings next to the Brooklyn Bridge to the south of the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, yeah, I think they always are. <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> yeah, a good point. <laughs> yeah, but that part of Manhattan's already filled, unless you, you know, bulldoze a whole, mm-hmm. you know, several blocks and tear them down, and that wouldn't be the first time that happened in Manhattan, that's for sure. Mm. But as far as vacant land, I think that's disappeared pretty well, unless you go way up into Parkland, you know, up yeah. in, or or north have, of Harlem, that's not going to happen. They have to ex- build on ex- uh, Battery Park. Battery Park City is, you know, that's an option because they dug up a lot of ground, you Mm. know, when they made the World Trade Center back in the late 60s, early 70s. They had to put that ground somewhere. They dumped it all out in the Hudson (laughs) and extended the size of Manhattan and built on it. That's where Casey Neistat lives and a whole bunch of other people in Battery Park City. Yeah. You never know. You you really never know. I mean, it's the city, it's the biggest city in the world, I think, or close to it. Uh, In New York, when real estate is, you know... $15 $15 million a square foot or whatever the heck it is, yeah. it probably makes more sense to create a new a new island totally. than it does to buy an existing piece. And it's it's not easy, but it's not hard. And when you have that kind of money coming in, it's like whoever would do that 
the city, I guess, would make a ton of money yeah. from extending. Well, that's another thing is the ton of money. The city currently has a deal with the Rangers that as long as they stay at MSG, they're forgiven the property tax. Yes, yeah. And the MSG Sports and Entertainment, I think, has that whole deal, like the Knicks and the Rangers and everybody. That whole thing is mm-hmm. living tax-free or tax-reduced, at least, uh, for the foreseeable future. But the minute they pivot and go anywhere else, mm. ding, ding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so we can segue over to the uh, Calgary Flames arena situation. There's still talk going on, uh, or negotiations between the team and the city council and the mayor and everyone and their dog in Calgary. And it's a frustrating situation because the fans lose during this whole time because there's lots of worry. People are stressed when they shouldn't be necessarily have to be stressed, and it's all just a big negotiating tactic. The Calgary Flames aren't leaving Calgary. Like, I, I will delete this channel if the Calgary Flames leave Calgary. <laughs> oh, don't say that. I'm serious. Like, I, 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 I'm almost serious. Like, they're not leaving. That's how confident I are. They, the NHL, Winnipeg just got a team back. There is no way that they're rem- going to remove the Calgary Flames, A, a team with a Stanley Cup history, B, a team with who has been around since the early 80s, C, uh, a profitable team in the NHL, and... That's all I got. <laughs> but still. Just... And D, you just got a jersey of the Calgary Flames Heck on it. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, the mayor that was against a sweetheart deal was reelected. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing myself. As much as I want hockey to stay in Calgary, I do sympathize with the citizens of Calgary who don't want to be on the hook to fund what is a billion-dollar enterprise. Oh, I completely agree with that, yeah. How they fix it, I don't know. But I think you're right. The end result, it, when it's all said and done, is that there's going to be a long-term hockey presence with the Flames in Calgary, no matter where they physically might be in town. Mm. It'll happen. They'll find a way to work it out. The Saddle Dome has a limited lifespan. Yep. I understand that. They'll go somewhere, but it won't be very far from mm. where they are right now. Brett Trow Living is the GM of Calgary. His father, Jim, Jim Trow Living, is a billionaire. I met him at an airport one time yeah, in line. I had a real that. nice chat with him. Very nice man. I w- Hypothetically, if Jim Trilliving acquired the Calgary Flames, do you think that, w- that would create a conflict of interest, that having his son as the GM and him as the owner? Not at all. I don't think so either. Not at all. In fact, if you told me that Brad Trilliving was just the front man for Jim and has been all along. Mm. I'm not saying that's happened, but if you told me that's what the case was, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because Jim is too busy to run the team, mm. but he's got the money, you know. Uh, so uh, uh, Jim Trilliving's doing a thousand other things that, that are making him money. So yeah, he doesn't have yeah. time to worry about. And I think the owner of the Edmonton Oilers is, you know, in a similar situation where he, I think, wants to have the family inherit mm-hmm. uh, and move more into ownership. Yep. Uh, of the Edmonton side. So I don't think that's odd at all. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, the Molson family, it's a family business that yeah, owns totally. Montreal. So same yeah, on, that'd be fine. Same in Buffalo, I believe. Yeah. That's it would only be a conflict of interest, I think, if there was family involvement in more than one team. You know, if that's they true. also owned, you know, a piece of some other team, I think that's troubling. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a bit of news here to transition out of all this arena talk. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, who is on it. A career season, an absolute tear with St. Louis. He's out for six weeks with an ankle injury. Very devastating and unfortunate for the St. Louis Blues and their fans. That's a huge loss. Number one, because it it stops 
a run of confidence that he had because now he's going to come back and he's going to try. He has expe- expectations to know what he has already done this year and can still do, and he might not be able to do it based on being away, number one, being away from the game for so long. Six weeks isn't long, but in hockey, six weeks is a long time. Uh, and then his ankle coming, like, is his ankle going to be the same when he gets back? So uh, it's it's just as much emotional as it is physical. And it may be a lot longer than six weeks. The official word with the NHL is re-evaluated in six weeks. Yeah, yeah. So That may be... It's, 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 it sucks. It's a good thing that St. Louis has a good team uh, because uh, losing, losing him is a big loss. So, uh, and, and a big loss to my fantasy team as well. So. He is plus 23. He's the second highest and plus minus in the league right now. I was about to say, he's got to be up there. And, and who's, who's number one? Is it a defenseman? Uh, number one is at plus 24, only one higher, and that's uh, Braden Chen. Really? Yeah. His line mate? I guess it makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the Sedin brothers. They track their stats track together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to milestones. This is something we've done in the past four weeks. Do you know the milestones? I don't, actually. Okay. I forgot to look them up. So. so last week we talked about Marlowe and Cam Ward. The week before that we talked about uh, Marlowe and Cam Ward. And the week before that we talked about Marlowe and Cam Ward. So four weeks ago, and we're still going to talk about Marlowe and Cam Ward. Uh, Marlowe has 1099 of 1,100 points. Cam Ward has 299 of 300 wins, so that hasn't changed in a week. Okay. Uh, not not too much about Cam Ward because he's a backup goalie. He's not going to get a lot of starts, and when he does get a start, it 50-50 shot that he, he gets a win, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Marlowe, what are you doing? Three points in the last four weeks, not acceptable. Or two or? Yeah, three points, I think. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I really hope that we don't have to talk about this again next week because that's five weeks. So I don't know what uh, Toronto's going to do with Marlowe, but... I don't know they're going to do. They're going to pay him a lot of money. Yeah, they're going to pay him $6.25 million or whatever he's making <laughs> a year. Um, Ovechkin is now 20th all-time in goal scores in the NHL. For a guy who's paid, played less than 1,000 games, like 971 or whatever it is, to yeah. be in 20th all-time goal scoring is incredibly impressive. He's on an amazing pace. It's not Gretzky-like, but it might be number two. Well, actually, it's all said and done. It's it's funny that you say that because Ovechkin has a higher goals per game average than Wayne Gretzky. Look at that. N- not by much. Mm-hmm. I, I have a trivia question for you. Okay. Who is the only other Russian player to have a better goals per game average than Alexander Ovechkin? Better than Ovechkin. Goals per game. Goals so per game. Better. Obviously, we're talking about someone who had a, a shorter but very active career. They've, they've played at least 700 games, so not much less than Ovechkin. Kovalev? No. Good, good, good guess, though. Oh, was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, any hints? <clears throat> um, no. <laughs> he wore number 10. Oh. Pavel Bure? Pavel Bure, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. I mean, if he didn't have the health issues and had yeah. to retire and stuff, it would be very, <clears throat> excuse me, it would be very interesting to see. Is that right? How eh? many goals he would have up wow. to this point? Yeah, it's really impressive. To I, that blew me away when actually when I saw that. I knew that yeah. Pavel Bury was an absolute rocket, but I didn't realize that he would have a better goals per game average than Ovechkin. Ovechkin and Gretzky have such different games. Gretzky oh, was totally. a very finesse player, and he had protection mm-hmm. back then in the days when you could have an enforcer. He had some protection around him. So if you beat up on Wayne, you got really hammered. Yeah. Uh, Ovechkin goes so hard. He uses up so much of his uh, his 
reserves, I think, every mm-hmm. game. He doesn't take it. Well, the only time he takes a break is when he's skating back to the bench every shift. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, you know, he really goes hard. Yeah. And uh, don't know if he has, hopefully, I'm hoping he does get to play for many, many more years to come. Mm. He's a young man. He's only, what, 30 or 31 mm-hmm. years old? I think he's like 31, yeah. Yeah, so good for him. And Gretzky wasn't a goal scorer. Uh, I mean, he was. He has the most goals in, in the NHL, but he was a playmaker first. Yeah. And so it's, they, yeah, the two completely different games, but... Yeah. They each had their own office. Gretzky's office was behind the net, and Ovechkin's was on the top of the circle there. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Now moving on to streaks. Uh, for, so for wins, the Los Angeles Kings are on an eight-game winning streak. Something else. I didn't know that. Like, I knew they were playing well, and I forgot their streak from last Sunday, last podcast, but I really didn't think that they'd go on an eight-game winning streak. They're really... And when they were on a seven-game streak, which is before they just won, which is yesterday's mm-hmm. game or last night's game, uh, they great were ma- great math there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, the streak that they're on now, and well, the streak that they were on, even when it was only seven, was the best in over two years since October of 2015. For the team. For the whole team. Oh, really? So now that they're at eight, I don't know. I didn't see the new <coughs> roll-up of that stat to mm. see how far back you have to go mm. before you find the last time that the Kings had eight straight wins. Interesting. But they haven't had seven since last October's, or two Octobers ago. That's good for them then. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay has won four. Not a surprise there. Vegas Golden Knights have won four. Not really a surprise there either, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington has won four, which makes me happy, makes my prediction happy. Uh, St. Louis has won three, and Philadelphia has won three in a row. Again, the seesaw effect. Lost ten. Now they're on a three-game winning streak. It can happen. Seriously. Yep. It's I, that's why I tell Ottawa fans not to worry because it can happen. Well, you know, they're at, in my little way, I do the standings versus points versus games played. Mm-hmm. You know, Philadelphia, despite the fact that they're last in their division, they have 29 points, which would put them about halfway up the Atlantic. And they're, yeah. at a, they're flat. They have 29 points and 29 games played, hmm. which is better than Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, Detroit, and Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, really. And, and for a team that's had such a bad run to still be in that kind of shape, yeah, like you say, it it can still happen. It can still happen. Calgary did it last year. They had a big talking to after their terrible loss against Montreal, and then they went on this big run and made the playoffs. And it's crazy. So if we talk about losses, the streaks, Dallas is on a three-game losing streak. Again, the seesaw effect. Last week, I think Dallas was on the other side of this equation mm-hmm. with four four wins in a row. Now they've lost three in a row. Montreal has lost three in a row as well. Uh, New Jersey has lost two in a row. Vancouver's lost two in a row. Arizona's lost three in a row. And Ottawa's lost four in a row, one, eight, and one in their last ten. So. Yeah, and lost badly. I think last night, we'll get to the scores, but they were shut out badly last night. No, they were, were, they, were they really shut out? Five nothing. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Um, okay, next on my list is Paul Romanuk and Gary Galley. Uh, okay. This is a conversation we've had, not last week, but the week before in the podcast. And it's... We watch all Canadians games, yep. so we're stuck with Romanik and Gary Galley. And they're not the worst announcers out there and play-by-play guys, but they're, they're becoming very close to it because there's so, so many things that annoy us about what they do. <laughs> we're actually, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm done actually watching the games in English. Next week, or from now on, I'm going to be watching the games in French, mm-hmm. a yep. language that I don't understand. Yeah. So it's at the point where I'm, I'm so frustrated with them that I'm willing to watch a game that I love in a, con- in a language that I don't understand just so I don't have to listen to them. 
how bad is that? Yeah. It's it's frustrating. And it it's it's just a little things like when Gary Galley says, uh as I have a quote here. When he has, says anything. Has a stick that's hard on the puck. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's all I hate these little hockey sayings like yeah. that. It drives me nuts. It's <laughs> active stick and active feet. Active feet. Uh, and even some other things like support, puck support. And um, gains the line. Yeah, oh, gains the line is terrible. But that's a John Bartlett thing. That's not a Romanuk thing. But he, I think John <clears throat> Bartlett uses it way less than, than Romanuk. But so. Romanuk just goes ham on it. He just, he, he just <laughs> Yeah, the, what we're stuck with on the, on the weekend games, the, the National Hockey Night in Canada or Sportsnet broadcast, that's when we're stuck with Romanuk and Galley. Yeah. During the regional games, we get John Bartlett and typically Jason York or some other commentator. They're mm. not bad. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind Bartlett. He has his things that he says yeah. that are a, a slightly annoying. But at the same time, uh, I, I grew up in the Foster Hewitt, Danny Gallivan era, and I'm so spoiled by really good, exciting broadcasters mm that this is just awful. And Gary Galley, uh, as we said, or I said a few times last night, I think we both said it. Whenever he talks, <laughs> it is to only fill time and not to add anything of value. It's just words. Like it's, it's, n- it's nothing. Yeah. It's, oh, you know, Montreal's down 4-2 or 4-1. You know, they really need to get a goal here. You think? Yeah. And it, it's a lot of that. It's so it's, sad. And they have this dynamic that isn't really shared by other announcers where they'll stop calling the play completely for literally minutes at a time and just chat about stats or just go on like and just words of stuff that doesn't even matter. Like, seriously, guys, call the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not... I'm not watching you to, to for your personalities and to hear your stories and to stuff like can you please just call the game? Because last night there was a point where I was organizing some of my hockey cards and I was I was watching but I was also like listening as well when I wasn't looking because I was looking down the hockey cards and I couldn't do it because they weren't calling the game. It was very frustrating. There was a point in the game and uh, off camera because almost everything that happens interesting is off camera because of uh, things we've already complained about in the past. But there was a point <clears throat> when the Montreal fans, I'm not sure if it was late in the second or early in the third, they suddenly started booing. Now, Montreal fans aren't strange strangers to booing. Right. They'll, they'll pull out the boo birds. You know, Montreal could be ahead 6-1 in a game and have a bad power play and get booed off the ice almost uh, by their own fans. Yep. But... Something, it was a sudden chorus of boos, you know, so either a call was missed yeah, or something serious like that happened on the ice that was obviously off camera because I was watching. Right. And I couldn't tell why they had started to boo. Meanwhile, Romanuk and Galley are talking about their latest plane trip or something from 20 years ago. Yeah. And never identified what was the source of that. Mm-hmm. And that's totally unacceptable because, again, I want to be in the environment. Well, I want to be in the game. They're physically there. It's it's their job to tell us things yeah. that we can't see. And it's also their job to pronounce names right. That's, li- that's literally their job, to pronounce names right. And <laughs> Paul Romanuk cannot decide how to pronounce Alsner. Yeah. 
It's he, he literally he literally switches back and forth almost in every the games. time. It's it's either Alsner yeah. or it's Alsner. Yeah, he'll say uh, Alsner passing it to Ben back to Alsner. Yeah, over to Ben back to Alsner. Like he, he literally does it with that kind that, of that's almost a quote. Fluidity. Seriously, it's yeah. it's insane. <laughs> uh, so it's so frustrating. And there was uh, just to to pedal back a bit. There was a point last night where they were on this big ramble about something, and there was a penalty called against Edmonton and the Edmonton player touched the puck and there was a whistle blown and they neither of them knew why the whistle was blown because they were too busy talking and not watching yeah. the game like this yeah. is the kind of stuff that they didn't even know which team had got the penalty even though yeah. the, the whistle was blown when Edmonton when touched Edmonton, the puck yeah. and that that's a dead giveaway that's right completely anyone who watches hockey would know that, like ah so frustrating so the Montreal and we'll talk about the game specifically here very shortly but uh at one point, near the end of it all, when it was uh, not in doubt, the result was going to be what it was, mm-hmm. I remember grabbing the remote and flipping over and finding the Winnipeg-Tampa game and switching to that briefly, and it was Bob Cole. Yeah, Boob Cole was... Boob Cole. And, you know, all the times last year and for previous years, going back as long as I can remember, yeah. complaining about Bob Cole. And we did a lot. A lot, because... He, he never knew who was on the ice. He'd call people by different names. He... Yeah. It was bad. It, and it, I'm sure he's still doing it, but it was refreshing to find Bob Cole and listen to him for a few minutes I last night. I hate that we have to say that, but it's true <laughs> because at least he was calling the game. He was calling the game. And, you know, he was talking about what was happening on the ice. As you say, he wasn't always talking about players that were on the teams mm. uh, or on the rosters that night or even still alive, but he was at least thinking he was calling what was happening on the ice. Yeah, which was he, he may have been calling a game for 20 years ago in his head, <laughs> but at least he was calling a game. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's, and I think that's why we like Doc so much. Doc, Doc is he, the man. He's, he's so ex- he's exciting. He has these little phrases and just inflections in his voice and stuff. It's just, he's, he's, he's the man. But there's, there's other announcers or play-by-play guys in the United States on, on Nesson and all, uh, and all these other channels who are terrible mm-hmm. and I don't like and, and who say stuff like hard, hard stick on the puck and stuff and say stuff like that as a person who wouldn't didn't know anything about hockey and was trying to give the game a chance and to hear stuff like that like what the hell does that mean mm-hmm. and I mean I watch hockey and I'm still saying what the hell does that mean yeah so, like it they're not doing the fans any favors by saying those stupid little things so yeah and we talk about whether announcers should be homers or not Mm. You know, because announcers, I guess, are journalists as well in a way. They're journalists tell a story. That's the very definition. Of They're not paid journalism. by the teams. They're not, but they are integrated with the teams. A lot of them. Oh yeah. They travel they, with the team. They, yeah, they, they travel live with, with the, the team. Yeah. They, they're <laughs> part of. They're a fixture. Yeah. Uh, so I think even though the the pay the payroll might not work out that way, everything else mm. still does, and I don't mind that. For instance, last night's game, it was, or let's say, yeah, last night, Montreal versus Edmonton. Now, usually Edmonton's games are called by Man X, let's say. I I don't know who calls them this this year. And Montreal's games are called by Man Y, for instance. Mm -hmm. When they play each other on a Saturday night, I'd have no difficulty at all with Edmonton having its own person on the Edmonton channel calling the game. And Montreal's Danny Gallivan successor calling the Montreal side of the game. As long as both feeds were available to us so we could choose. Yes. 
Th- and, that would and, be great. And that'll never happen. No, that'll no, that'll never happen. But, well, you know, with the system we have now, I can we can buy extra channels and get other, other cities. True. So it might be possible. But I don't have a problem with being happy when the team that you're traveling with does well because you're speaking to the fan base of that team and they want yeah. your team to be as favorably regarded as possible. So I don't have a journalistic ethical issue with that. What I don't like is when it goes too far. Uh, like the Toronto announcer that does the regional games, which we never see because we're not in the Toronto right. region, you know, the holy Mackinac thing. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, I just cringe when I hear that. He's really biased. He's, he's, yeah, which is fine. Same as Jack Edwards with Boston. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jennerette from Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, he's, and I know there's people who've commented on your podcasts and on your videos, you know, oh, uh, talk about the announcers, you know, isn't Rick Jennerette great, you know, and <laughs> if you ever do that show, I want to be away that day. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that show. Because if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything at all. Mm. So it would, for me, be five minutes of silence. And there was a... The Pittsburgh guy. Slap me, Shelly Sidney. Shave <laughs> me with a rusty razor. I think Jason and I talked about this uh, in a podcast a few weeks ago. There was a there was a, a play in the San Jose game against Boston, I think. And the San Jose announcers were really, like, uncomfortably biased. Like, it was just like, what? Did you honestly just say that? Like, it, you just embarrassed yourself. I don't know if it was San Jose or L.A. or someone, but it was someone out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's lots of bison that goes around, but... Eh, well, nothing we can do. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes I like that. For instance, when the Blue Jays would play during the regular season, you're stuck with Buck Martinez mm-hmm. doing the games. And as much as I don't like Joe Buck, when they go to the playoffs and the national network picks it up, they put their own announcer in the seat instead. Yeah. And Martinez becomes a color guy down on the field during mm-hmm. you know during timeouts or breaks or whatever. And I actually like that better because finally... We have someone who can pronounce all the vowels. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, sorry about that. But. Uh, sticking with kind of TV and stuff, commercials, this is unhockey related, but I want to talk about it because it's my podcast. So <laughs> uh, we, we experienced something very interesting last night, and not only once but twice. Near the end of the first period, there was a whistle, and Star Stoppage played the Montreal game, and they decided to to or sorry, we decided to flip over to the Toronto-Pittsburgh game. So there's a commercial playing in the Montreal game, whatever, and then we switched. And as we switched to the Toronto-Pittsburgh game, the exact same commercial at, like, I don't want to say the exact same time, but I'm talking like one second apart or maybe less. The, the commercials were playing at the exact same time. It's as if whistles happened identically in the game, and they both went to commercial at the same time. Like, I've never... I've never been flipping back and forth to a game and seen the same commercials. Like the same, I know the same commercials play on di- in, on two different games in different networks or the same network on different channels. That's to- that's ex- expected, but at the at literally the same time, like that's just a coincidence. And then we saw it again, like the next period or something <laughs> like that when we flip back over, like the same thing. It's like how do they do it? Like I don't I don't get it. But and and I'm sure what happens is the uh, Canadian Broadcasting. Corporation or Hockey Night in Canada itself, which is CBC plus Sportsnet, they get together and they sell blocks of commercials to their advertisers and they say to Dodge, okay, you'll get uh, commercial one, uh, Tim Hortons will get commercial two, and Walmart will get commercial, or Canadian Tire will get commercial number three. Yeah. 
in the second TV timeout of the period. And no matter what game you're watching, that's what you get. Yeah, totally. And I think when they're doing the buy, they're doing a national buy. Occasionally, there will be a regional uh, commercial break that goes to, you know, here in PEI for watching the Toronto game. It'll be DL's auto body, <laughs> which is, you must. I, um, I don't think you'd be able to find it on, on YouTube or no, anything. It's unfortunate. It's probably the lamest, hokiest commercial you've ever seen. But I, I know the son of the owner, and he's the nicest guy in the world. Oh, I'm sure. I, there, I, I've had work done there. And in fact, the next thing I need there, whatever, if it's auto body related, that's where I'm yeah, going to go. It's a fantastic place. They do yeah. great work. They're the nicest people in the world, but the commercial is terrible. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's what happens. So that's why occasionally if the whistles both happen at the same time, you know, the games start at the same yeah. time. Just, it just can happen. Coincidence, but, but yeah. yeah, it was so blatant last night. It just happened so often. It was yeah. like, what, what, what? <laughs> but some, just to talk about some of the commercials, uh, we've maybe added a few new companies or uh, mute boycotts to our, our list. Canadian Tire, there's a Canadian Tire commercial where Buddy sings the Jingle Bells song in different words about what they have available. Number one, it's not funny. Number two, it's annoying as hell. And like there, number three, there's no point of it. Like it's just, it's, it doesn't even make sense. It's just, it's just him singing. Like it's, there's no dynamics to it. There's no like story to it. It's just like him sitting in front of the camera singing on a piano. It's, it, it's, non, it's so uh, annoying for American listeners and viewers. Canadian Tire is a very large retailer here on this side of the border that sells not only tires and other automotive products, but other things, camping equipment, sleeping bags, uh, cutlery, pl pots and pans, deep fryers. You get your car fixed there. Everything. Tires, everything. It's not unlike a Walmart, really. Uh, it's big enough. Yeah, you yeah. know, they can be as big as a Walmart. Lots of sports equipment. Yeah. There. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the equivalent would be in the U.S., but Canadian Tire's been around for a long, long mm. time here in Canada. And they're a very uh, full service company but their commercials over the years i don't know i don't know if they've kept the same ad agency all the way through but their commercials over the years have been some of my most annoying tv experiences of life yeah i agree and admittedly i don't shop a lot at canadian tire not and i don't think it's because of the commercials i just i don't find myself there a lot yeah so they're such a large store that they're usually away from other stores they're a standalone building yeah so it's not something you just walk over while you're there doing other things there aren't usually any other stores really close by. You have the, to the, specifically go for something at Canadian Tire. Five or more years ago, the commercials all centered around this know-it-all neighbor mm. that, you know, you'd be doing something in your yard and he'd come over, oh, you should have the new such and such. And like, if if I lived next to that neighbor, he'd be missing some teeth. Yeah, Because totally. every time <laughs> I go to do a job outside, he's over there trying to persuade me that I'm doing it wrong because I don't have the such and such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't last long. No, not at all. <laughs> Uh, another commercial was the Seven Eleven commercial, and you muted it a couple of times. It was—I can't even remember what it was about, but it was annoying. I—I I, I don't remember there being a. I remember muting there a was, few. There was multiple Seven Eleven commercials, but there was one specific one that was annoying. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I wrote it down because <laughs> I knew it was. You <laughs> muted it, and then the classic Ram commercial that we've already talked about. Oh yeah, that Dodge. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Um, I have something written on the back here. It's the last thing on my list. Okay. I want to talk about Gary Bettman and the commissioners, uh, the history of commissioners. Oh, okay. So technically, Gary Bettman is the first commissioner in the NHL, 
in 93, but before that there were presidents. So the first president of the NHL was in 1917, and that was Frank Calder, and he was the president until 1943, so that's like 26 years. Uh, and then from 1943 to 1946, uh, Red Dutton was the president for three years. 1946 to 1977, Clarence Campbell was the president for 31 years. 1977 to 1992, John Ziegler? Ziegler, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, so that's 15 years. 1992 to 1993, Jill Steiner-Steen, uh, so he's just in there for one year. 1993 till now, which is, well, I'll say 2018 because Gary Bettman will still be the commissioner by the end of this year. Uh, 25 years. So he's. it feels like Gary Benton's been around for friggin' ever. But he is only the third longest tenured commissioner or president in the league. That's interesting. I thought, yeah, I thought that was interesting. No, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. And chances are he'll become second very soon because he's already at 25. He just needs one more year to tie 26. And then and 31's a record, right? 31's Players. a record. And I mean, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, a vote of confidence is a guarantee for him for the foreseeable future. He's paid by the NHL owners. He he just brought an expansion team, which made $500 million, and he's about to make the NHL $650 million more. So The money keeps rolling in. That's what it's all about. Yep. So he's going to be rewarded by more tenure. So Great. But I, I do hope someone conv- convinces him to get off the stage during oh. drafts and other announcements. Just go away. Yeah. Completely. And have someone else be the, the spokesperson for the league. Please. He's such a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just, he's not trustworthy at all. And that's what I meant by weasel. I didn't mean like physically a weasel. No, I meant no, like, no. he just, he's not trustworthy. But if I walked onto a used car lot. Oh God. <laughs> okay. And the door opens and a Gary Bettman comes walking out over my way. <laughs> 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 you just took a shiver. I would, yeah, that's, that's the feeling I get. Yeah, totally. From Gary Bettman. And it's nothing to do with his appearance or the way he talks or anything else. It's an intangible thing. Mm. He is very good at what he does. He's a salesman. He He, is a salesman. He's a lawyer. Yep. And he used to run the NBA before the NHL. Exactly, yep. So he's no stranger to this job. And I'm sure he's very good at doing what the owners want him to do. He's a very smart guy. Yeah. And he's very, he would be very good at doing what the car dealer owner wants him to do, which is come out and try to sell me a car. Yep. <clears throat> but I would want to have a shower <laughs> yeah. after I left the you'd, lot. You'd feel dirty. Especially if I ended up buying the damn car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did it again. <laughs> uh, all right. That's all I got my list. What do you got? Well, I got some results from last night. We won't go through them in any great depth, but I just have the results and a few quick highlight sure. mentions for some. Uh, St. Louis beat Detroit six to one. What's wrong with Detroit? I think they I think they won. Who uh, they beat? Winnipeg or someone earlier this they week? They did get a win. So yeah. this is uh, they're now starting their new losing streak at one game. Uh, Raiden Shen got his fifteenth goal of the year. There were six different scorers spread out amongst uh, the St. Oh, Louis wow. team. So that's really good for them. Boston second win in a row with Tuukka Rask three one over the Islanders. Halak took the loss. Brad Marchand got his eleventh goal in that game. That was a huge win. Very big win. Uh, Edmonton beat Montreal 6-2. We spent a lot of time with Montreal in the past. I don't intend to today, other than to say a few little tidbits Carey here. Carey Price lost in the game. Carey Price was, he, he, he was pulled and he had to be pulled. I'll just say it. He's the, the lackluster um, effort that he put in behind the net and just, he, he, he played like he did when he was injured, but didn't tell anyone he was injured. 
Mm-hmm. He just, it looked like he didn't care. So Yeah, and all four goals that went in on him, I think he should have got. Oh, yeah, me too. Yep. And they put in Niemi, and he was great. Niemi was fantastic last night. I, that's a sentence I didn't think I'd ever say. <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, Weber was minus three. He was on the ice for all the first three goals. Same against. as Ben, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's just not not acceptable. And it's a game that Montreal had to win. When Boston wins and Toronto wins and you're fighting for that spot, that's a game you have to win because you're playing a team that's struggling. Mm. You're playing a team that you know head-to-head, talent-wise, overall, you can beat these guys. And that, that's the thing about Montreal. They play well against teams that are good, and they play terrible against teams that are terrible. Yeah. Last year was an even bigger case of that. Uh, it's just sad to see what's happening if you're a Montreal fan, as I am. But... And the trend of two goals in a minute is continuing, because I think they're up to 11 now this year. And the record's 14 for the ever in the NHL. The 12. Oh, is it 12? 12. The record is 12. The, 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 the worst team ever to let in uh, multiple games with two goals within a minute is 12. And Montreal now is up to 10 or 11. And we're only 30 games into the season. Yeah. And it happened again last night. It happened quickly. The first time it happened, it wasn't actually within a minute. It was a minute and 13 seconds. Uh, Kira scored at one eleven, and then Lucic scored at 2.24 in the second. So just not quite within a minute. But in the third period... Clefbaum scored at 2.39, and Ovitu scored at 3.09. So that's only 30 seconds later. Yeah. There you go. But by then, the game was screwed anyway. Yeah. Uh, that Kyra, I, or Kyra, I think I'll say his name. Mm. I think it's correct. Close. Interesting story. Very interesting story. I Last week, I mentioned his name because he was on the score sheet from the game when I was doing this little report, and I hadn't heard of him, or if I had, I hadn't paid attention. And then he got two in the game last night against Montreal. And he was amazing. Mm. He's a really good player. Is, is he the guy that's, he's the third Indo-Canadian player to? Yeah, he's uh, from Surrey, B.C. And he's the third Punjabi mm. or, or South Asian uh, Canadian to make it into the National Hockey League. He had a great game. The first was uh, Robin, I see Bawa. I, I, I have, my scribble is not very good. Do you know who the second one was? Mm. I'll give you some hints. I don't want to sound racist because I don't know if this guy is actually of that ethnicity. Is it Nazem Qadri? No, uh, Nazem Qadri is of mostly West Asian descent, like he's Middle Eastern. Uh, okay. Yeah, but not not that far. But this guy played for the Montreal Canadiens not that long ago. Oh, goodness. Uh, I have no idea. And he had a very serious eye injury before he joined Montreal. He actually missed a lot of time with this eye injury, and his vision was never the same. Zednik? No, it wasn't Zednik. No. I have no idea. He was a fourth-line face-off specialist. Oh, uh, I can I, I can see him, but I can't. Manny Malhotra. Yeah, Malhotra. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So you know where he is now? He's an assistant coach or in the coaching system with Vancouver. Really? Yeah, because that's where he played a lot of his time. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. It's a great story because mm. he did leave himself out there in the free agent market. No one picked him up. Yeah. But he did. He played some AHL a couple of years ago just to try to keep going. But now he's in He's in. Uh, in behind the bench. So mm. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. But Montreal, uh, they really pooped the bed last night, shall I say. And they deserve to lose. They deserve the booze. Mm-hmm. 
and they've got four days off now to think about it. Would you start Niemi or Price next? I would start Lindgren. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I give Price another, like, l- okay, Carrie, let's pretend you've got another injury again. Yeah. We'll send you off to a spa, <laughs> and we'll bring Lindgren in as the number one, and uh, then Niemi's there to back him up. Niemi played well enough to start, though. To, all kidding aside, I think I would start Niemi. I'd start Price, and if he let in two soft goals, i put Niemi in, and then I'd start Niemi the next game. Yeah. Yeah. Winnipeg uh, and Tampa Bay. That was maybe the most exciting game of the night. Two high-flying teams. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, really something. Uh, Tampa Bay ended up winning the game in overtime, 4-3. Vasilevsky got the win. It's their fourth in a row. Winnipeg, uh, Hellebuck took the loss. Uh, the winning goal in overtime was Braden Point. That's his 12th of the year. Kucherov got another goal. He's up to 20. Yep. And Sergachev got a goal, and he's up to 7. Mm. So there you go. Uh, Kucherov, by the way, uh, he's on pace to have 57 goals this year. Whew. I don't think that's going to happen, but I mean, never know. I'm not saying it won't happen. Yeah, I'm just, mm. it's, it, it looks it looks difficult because, but he's got 20. So, you know, the he's, Tampa Bay is just a little bit more through the, than one-third through the season. Yep. And if he keeps this pace up, he's going to have 57 goals. Mm. Elsewhere, Simeon Varlamov and Colorado beat Florida 7-3. to Reimer took the loss. Nathan yeah. McKinnon got his 11th goal for Colorado. And have you seen the highlight of that goal? No, I missed it. Viewers, listeners, and Neil, you must, when this thing is over, go on to sports whatever and find the Nathan McKinnon goal Okay. where he skates through I think you're only allowed to have five skaters on the ice. I'm sure he skates through eight guys <laughs> and walks in and scores. It's beautiful. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I'll go very, watch this right nice. after this is over. <laughs> okay. Uh, New Jersey and the New York Rangers played. Uh, quite a tilt. 5-2 Rangers. King Henrik got another win. Zuccarello got two goals for seven on the year. Columbus Blue Jackets beat Arizona one nothing. Yeah. You know, Andy Ranta played a great game, but still ended up taking the loss. Bob got his fourth shutout of the year now, 35 saves, and Anderson and Panarin uh, were on the score sheet. Anderson got the goal. Panarin got the assist. This is an interesting stat. That's a primary assist. Like, in other words, right. he was the, the guy who passed to the goal scorer. That's the sixth consecutive goal Columbus has scored where Panarin has got the primary assist. Wow. Six primary assist goals in a row, and that is a record for consecutive primary assist that goes back to 2006. I was going to say, that does not happen very often. So, In the New Jersey game they played prior to that, where uh, Columbus scored five, I think they beat them 5 nothing. Panarin assisted all five goals <sighs> as the primary assister. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so how cool is that? Wow. Uh, Toronto and Pittsburgh ended up in a pretty tight game at the yeah. end of it all. It was 4-3 uh, as how it ended. But uh, Pittsburgh scored late mm-hmm. with uh, about two minutes left, um, a little too late. And a- Anderson played really well as he's done all year. Yeah, he stole that one. Uh, and Casey DeSmith got the loss. Who? Jerry was pulled after the first period because he'd let in those three, three goals. Three goals and 16 shots or something. Yeah, so they pulled him and put Casey DeSmith in. So poor Casey, you know, who actually shut things down yeah. for the next uh, two periods. He only let in one goal. 
but they still ended up getting, you know, getting mm. nailing him with the loss because Pittsburgh ended up scoring three goals. So the winning goal ended up being the one scored in Casey DeSmith. Mm. So if Pittsburgh hadn't scored that third goal, Jerry would have got the loss. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of goaltenders, I don't want to interrupt you here, but uh, there was rumors earlier, I believe from Elliot Friedman, that Edmonton was looking at Mrazek and Detroit. So we could okay. see potentially see a trade there in the next, maybe maybe it's already happened, maybe today. Maybe, oh, wow. I don't know. But Okay. Elsewhere, Calgary beat Vancouver 4-2 in the late game, and I didn't stay up to see that. Besser got another goal, 15 yep. on total. So even though Vancouver lost, it was a good night for Besser. And they had the lead 2-1. They did, 2-1 at it. the end of the second period. Vancouver yep. was leading that 2-1. And then uh, Calgary came back to Chuck, the guy who's had been such a discipline problem, scored twice in that game for a total of six in the year. Calgary sure does have a lot of discipline because they came back against uh, Edmonton in that game, almost won. They came back against Montreal, won the game. They came back against Vancouver, won that game. That's mm-hmm. that's an important stat to uh, to have on the sheet when you can come back in games. So. It's a huge, huge thing. They scored three goals in the third period. <coughs> I don't think there's too many teams that have a third period performance like that. Mm. Vegas Golden Knights, five. Dallas Stars, three. In Dallas. Uh, that's the fourth win in a row. Yeah, that's tough for Dallas. Legacy got the win. Eric Halla got his 11th goal. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Benn got his 12th goal. And Bishop took the loss. Hmm. So good for Vegas. Yeah. They're, they're on a roll again. Kings over Carolina, 3-2 in overtime. Kopitar and Toffoli each Got goals. Uh, Kopitar is 16th. Toffoli is 14th. <coughs> That's the eighth straight win for LA, as we talked about earlier. Scott Darling got the loss, and Jonathan Quick was in win or in goal for the win. Aaron Dell. Yep. Shut the door on the Ottawa Senators. Five nothing for San Jose. Aaron Dell is a good goalie. He's he, a really good he's, goalie. He's, his save percentage is good. His goals against average is good. He's had some losses that weren't necessarily his fault. Uh, he's a very good goalie, one of the best backups in the league. Yeah. His goal against average, if you count goalies who've played as few as 11 games, which is what he's played, is 1.72. Hmm, that's he's pretty good. He's the only yeah. goalie that's played a number of games with anything less than a two. Hmm. So that's awesome. He's lights out. So that was the scoreboard from last night. So a quick run through the standings uh, using my plus-minus system that we talked about oh, before. Yes, yeah. Tampa Bay is 44 points now. They're plus 15. Toronto, 39 points and plus nine. So it just shows you Toronto's in second place in the Atlantic. Yeah. And Tampa Bay is lights out. They're, like they're, they're out of sight. Next is Boston, 32 points and plus five. And then everybody else is in the minuses. Montreal, minus one. Detroit, minus two. Florida, minus three. Ottawa, minus three. And Buffalo, minus 10. Ouch. Played 19 games. Or sorry, they have 19 points in 29 games. So. Buffalo's not making the playoffs this year. Uh, safe bet. <laughs> yeah. In the Atla- or in the Metropolitan, Columbus is uh, back on top. 39 points and a plus 9. Washington, 37 points and a plus 7. The Devils, plus 7 as well, 36 points. The Islanders have 35 points and a plus 6. Pittsburgh, 35 points and a plus 4. And then underneath that, the Rangers, Carolina, and Philadelphia. And all except Philadelphia are in the plus range. In other words, wow. they have more points than games played. It's a strong uh, strong division. Very strong division. And they're going to get the two wild card spots right now. Yeah. I can't see that changing. That's not going to change. It's early not still. But yeah. Central division, St. Louis 
is now uh, leading again. Uh, 42 points. They're a plus 12. Nashville close second, plus 11 with 40 points. Then it's Winnipeg. They were leading for a while, but mm -hmm. uh, they've been passed. But plus 9, 39 points, still very respectable. Dallas, 33 points in a plus 3. Minnesota, 31 points in a plus 3. So they're actually tied in the plus minus. Chicago is next, second to last. And Colorado is at 28 games played and 28 points. So they're flat. Nobody in the minuses mm. in the central. It looks like you're going to need about 13, pl plus 13 by the end of the season to make the playoffs. A plus 13 gets you 95 points. By the end, by the end of the playoffs? End of the season, oh. I meant to say. <laughs> so if you've played 82 games and you're a plus 13, you've got about 95 points. That's mm. probably enough to... And that, that number fluctuates every year, but every it's always around the same. It's always around accurate. 95, 96 points. So if you've got plus 13 now, and then you just play flat the rest of the year, yep. you're probably getting in. Mm -hmm. And there's a few teams that are there, or almost there. In the Pacific, the Kings on top, 43 points and a plus 12. Vegas is next, 39 points and a plus 10. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Then you've got San Jose, Calgary, Vancouver, Anaheim, Edmonton, and Arizona, minus, 19, or minus 13 <laughs> with, <laughs> with 19 uh, points. So the two worst teams in the league are tied, Buffalo and Arizona. Arizona being worse because they have the same amount of points, but they've played more games. That's right. Mm-hmm. Stats leaders, Ovechkin's got 21 goals now. Next is Kucherov, and then Tavares, Monaghan. Oh, I was going to ask you who, who was next, and I was going to give you a, a uh, trivia question, and darn. I forgot to. I want a trivia question. Uh, uh, in points, uh, who's, who's leading points? Stamkos? Yes, 42. Who's next? Kudrov. Yes, 41. Uh, who's next? Uh, Goudreau? L.A. Kopitar? Kopitar, 38. Wheeler's got 38. Goudreau's uh, down, down quite a ways. Uh, well, not quite a ways, but he's below those guys. In plus minus, it's Shen with 24, Schwartz with 23. Now, if you're not playing, there's no add and there's no subtract. So he'll stay at 23. I guess that's While true, everybody yeah. else plays. <laughs> so Schwartz may end up still being very much one of the leaders in the plus minus yeah. after his six weeks or eight weeks or however long he's off that's with a, his ankle. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Drew Stafford, I think it is. No, is that? No, Strahlman, Anton Strahlman's 21. I was going to say Drew Stafford. Yeah, what? Uh, sorry, sorry. Goals against average, we already talked about Aaron Dell. He's done that, 1.72 on only 11 games, though. Of the uh, goalies who've played more than 20 games, which is your real starters, uh, Bobrovsky is next at 2.06, Quick, 2.18, uh, Vasilevsky, 2.24, Corey Crawford, 2.27. Malcolm Subban is next, playing 10 games, and he's at 2.33. I'm not surprised he's played so well. Yeah, and below him, below Subban, is Rene, Jones, Rask, and Markstrom. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah, Pretty good. in some good company there. Yeah. Uh, 939 save percentage for Dell as well, which is just a, an incredible stat. First is quick, though. He's a nine, I think he's first with like a, just a slightly better save percentage than Dell. Uh, finishing off hockey, I've got a few items, and I want to talk a little football. Okay. All righty. Uh, the NHL Board of Governors meeting in Palm Beach. We all know what happened there. There was the announcement. You've covered it well in your videos about uh, Seattle looking mm -hmm. like they're next in line for a team at a cost of $650 million. Now, one thing that I wasn't aware of until I read a little bit in The Athletic this morning in a column by Pierre Lebrun, 
$650 million is going to be the price for Seattle, whether they expand or buy and move a team there. Really? It won't be cheaper for them to do a relocation instead. I thought relocation was should, should be cheaper. In the past, it has been. But relocation will work this way from now on. Let's hypothetically talk Arizona. In the event that the Arizona or Phoenix or whatever they are, the Coyotes decide to leave Arizona, the National Hockey League will purchase the team and sell it to Seattle for $650 million. Wait, what if the buddy in Texas, who is just about the Carolina Hurricanes... <clears throat> is still the owner and wants to move the team in 2024 to Quebec City. Well, I, th I think if he's already the owner, I think he can do what he wants. So he doesn't have to pay the relocation fee. Well, I, I wouldn't even call it a relocation fee, but the NHL, do, when a team changes hands, which it would in the case of... So if the Arizona Coyotes owner sells the team to the NHL, the league pays him $650 million? I don't know what the league pays him. They pay him whatever they think he's worth or the team's worth and then they will sell it to Seattle for $650 million. They sure as hell better buy it for the same price they're selling it for, or that's some sleazy business. Well, if the NHL's in charge as to who gets to buy and sell stuff, uh, that's how it works. That's So that's what it does, is it takes the relocation option almost off the table as an, as the more economical option. I, I, understand, I, I understand the point, the, what yeah. they're trying to do. but And if you're a fan in Quebec City... You're not happy. Quebec's not going to get a team. I think this means Quebec's dream of having an NHL team is effectively dead. Unless the Canadian dollar gets better, which it's not going to be right. according to the projections in the next 10 years. So, yeah. so that's a serious uh, alteration of the understanding that I had after reading uh, Pierre's column this morning <laughs> in The Athletic. Another interesting uh, discussion point I read about this morning was what's going to happen with the next World Cup? Right, because it was the new CBA talks are under are coming up, and yeah, now the CBA could run till twenty twenty two unless one of the two sides triggers right, the, the early clause. the opt out, which would make it twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, in fact, September of twenty twenty, which is right when the next World Cup would be. Yeah, and they had that uh, that opt out clause option in September twenty nineteen. Right. So. Yeah, they have to trigger it then, and then it would happen. Which is very year. soon. Yeah, that's that's very soon. So. It may come to pass, once again, that the World Cup doesn't happen every four years, and it hasn't been, really. Like the last one, the plan was always to have another one in 2020, but that may bump into this whole CBA business. Yep. And it may not happen after all, because who would want to run a World Cup and then run right into a lockout? It just wouldn't happen. Mm, yeah. It's not going to happen. Ooh. So that could be a, it could actually be a reason why they won't trigger. Yep. They'll let it go. They'll get the World Cup in. And then they'll deal with it in 2022. I think that's what's going to happen as well. I hope so. I hope so. And then that would allow Seattle to come into a uh, the league without doing it on a lockout year. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting. I didn't know about this. Uh, the NHL offered the NHLPA a three-year extension on the existing contract. I don't know when Which this happened. Which would push it to 2025? Yes. And it would include two Olympics and two World Cups and a Ryder Cup-type tournament, tournament in uh, Europe. Wait, two Olympics in three years? It would include the 2020 Olympics and okay. the 2024 Olympics, right? And what's the Ryder Cup? Uh, the Ryder Cup is a, it's an all-star continental-type tournament where, in, in the case of golf, the Ryder Cup, or maybe it's like Davis Cup in tennis, where 
uh, Canada would play the U.S. in a in a match of a tennis match. It's isn't that the same as the World Cup? Similar, but not quite the same. I think it's a World Cup. I think is all played in one geographical location, but the the Davis Cup can be played in multiple locations. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. And they declined it. They declined it because that would extend the existing escrow arrangement. A fifty-fifty split. Yeah. Or fifty-seven, whatever. Like, yeah. So they're so against escrow that they turned down a chance to play in the Olympics, and they turned down a chance to play in two Olympics because they didn't want to see escrow extended one day longer than they've already been sucked into. So, And you did a great explanation on escrow that helped me understand it a few days ago. Yeah, if you so. guys haven't seen that video, I don't even remember what video was in the Seattle video, I think. Uh, go go watch that. I explain what escrow is. Mm-hmm. One of the people who may be in the ownership group of Seattle is Jerry Bruckheimer. Yep. Who was a filmmaker, I believe. Filmmaker yeah. and TV guy, too. He's yeah. responsible for basically all the CSI mm. uh, versions over the years. He's done Top Gun, Black Hawk Down, and his new movie's coming out next month called 12 Strong. Never heard of it. It's a group. It's about a true story, apparently, about a group of the first 12 special forces, American soldiers, that go into Afghanistan immediately after 9-11. Okay. And end up integrating with the uh, Pashtun... Uh, tribes uh, in the northern part of Afghanistan, and they're the first to engage the Taliban on horseback. Whoa. Because they get really integrated with the locals. Dang. I'm looking forward to that movie. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Well, maybe we can watch it and do a movie review on the second channel. That would be great. Which is called More Post to Post. You guys should subscribe if you're not subscribed. Yeah. Uh, The IOC has said Russia cannot play in the Olympics as Russia. Yeah, so those players... Or athletes would have to represent uh, a union of no one or whatever it's called. I don't yeah, it'll be uh, athletes from Russia or something like yeah. that. And they would fl- uh, play under the Olympic flag. Yeah, exactly. But the uh, the Russian national anthem wouldn't play. Mm. But, of course, it would always still be Russia. Of course it would be. And yeah. Put- Putin has said, I'm not going to stop people from going in and playing that way. Yeah. So I think it's on frankly. Mm. You know, I think Ovechkin will... And, and well, Ovechkin... Have, have his choice to make. Ovechkin and Malkin both retweeted the hashtag team Putin thing. <laughs> and uh, it was, this was mentioned in a different podcast, but it's, I wonder if they did that because, because they actually support Putin or because they want to look like they support Putin. So their families don't get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always a good idea to be on the, the, yeah. the, the winning side and Putin's announced he's going to run again for reelection. So why not? Why not? He's been in charge of Russia, effectively in charge, since you were 14 years old. Mm. That's a while ago. That's more than half of your life ago. Uh, Final item from the world of hockey. Uh, A coach has been fired. Mike Keenan has been fired. And the KHL? Yes. Really? Uh, He was fired by the Kunlun Red Star in China. In China, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. uh, He's he's fired as coach. Uh, They've offered him a job in the team's office to still do development or some kind of management, but uh, he's not the head coach anymore. Oops. Yep. So uh, he's 68 years old. Which is crazy to think about. I know. That doesn't even make, that doesn't, I don't even comprehend that. I, I see him as a much younger man. Yeah. So I hope he's doing well over there, and I hope he does whatever he's happy with. He probably doesn't need to do this at the age of 68, no. but if he wants to stay involved, because yeah. prior to the Kunlun Red Star, he coached uh, a Metallurg Magnitogorsk in the KHL for a while as well, mm. a couple of years. So, Yeah. All right, so that's my hockey stuff. All right, let's let's hit up some football here, if you, American football. If you don't have 
your own history of watching football and you're curious about what the game could be all about and you want to watch a game that's going to be exciting, I would say don't bother with the NFL. Don't bother with the CFL. Don't bother with almost all of college football. Wait for that second Saturday in <laughs> December and watch the Army-Navy game. There is nothing on the planet like the Army-Navy game. There's so many like little nuances that are par- a part of this game that make it as special as what it is. And you explained one to me last night. Yeah, there's a few. It's a tradition that goes back to 1890. So this was the 118th Army-Navy game. And they even play it during wartime. And it pits the academies of the two branches of the armed services in the U.S. against each other. So the Army uh, Officers Academy at West Point and the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, mm. both play in the college football ranks. They, they play other teams. It might be Army versus Clemson or Navy versus Duke. I mean, that just happens all year long. But then there's that special game. It's like a derby. Every special or every year they play the special game, usually in Philadelphia, which is where they played yesterday, but not always. They're in Philadelphia, I think, three years out of every four. And then on the fourth year, they might be in Baltimore or New Jersey or somewhere else. They move it a bit, but not much. And yesterday, the snow was pounding in Philadelphia. Yeah, you couldn't even see the the, the turf or the grass. They had to clear the lines. (laughs) It's, It's amazing. Army was dressed in white. Yeah, you couldn't see them. <laughs> you couldn't see them. Navy was dressed in blue for the Blue Angels. Yeah, and they had a, a Blue Angel on their helmet, which blue is Blue cool. Angel on their helmet. They they did that to honor the Blue Angels this year. Hmm. So their uh, even their, their trousers were the exact same dimensions as the striping on the Blue Angels flight suits. Hmm. And the color was identical in the crests and to do it. And even the visor color was to match the Blue Angels hmm. pilot's visors. That's cool. And I, I love that. The Blue Angels were here in Charlottetown several years ago for yeah. an air show. And we got to hang out with the Blue Angels mm. pilots. We we had a hangar available for them. You know, we would just hang out because I was on the airport helping other planes park and That's just right. being around. And they're a great bunch of guys, not only the pilots, but the servicemen, the mechanics, and the people who ran their Herc, you know, with it's all a, the spare it's, parts. It's, a, it's like a business that comes oh, up. Oh, yeah. The Hercules comes up. I think they have a name for it. It's called Fat something or whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah, uh, yeah, Fat it's, Albert. It's it's cool. Yeah, it is called Fat Albert. I think yeah, it's Fat yeah. Albert. Yeah, but it, what a great thing! So when the Navy showed up on the field yesterday with all the you know all the the Blue Angel stuff, I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> now, one thing I missed because I forgot about the game until it was a little bit too late. I tuned in and I saw the whole football game, but I didn't see the preliminary part of the football game, mm. where all the Naval uh, Academy cadets. Uh, or I guess Army cadets, naval midshipmen, I should make this correct. They march onto the field, you know, in rank and file. And there's bands. Yeah, and yeah, And yeah. there's, there's challenges. <laughs> and then there's this thing they do called the exchange of hostages, <laughs> where there are, every year there's always some people, midshipmen, that go to West Point as part of their training. And there mm-hmm. are Army cadets that go to Annapolis as part of their training. And they train or they learn and go to college with the other uh, branch all year, or maybe for a semester. And then when this game happens, the Navy exchanges their Army prisoners <laughs> with the Army <laughs> in exchange for the Navy prisoners so they can enjoy the game with their with own their guys. Side, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the game is over, the, uh, you play the game for the opportunity to sing second. And singing second means that the, the losing team has to sing their alma mater song 
first, and then the winning team gets to sing their alma mater song second. So that's the big, <laughs> that's how the game really ends. And it's very respectful. The players uh, have a lot of regard for each other. Mm. These are soldiers. These are people who are going to be officers in the Navy and in the Army. And it has happened, sadly, in the past where someone has been in the Army-Navy game one year, graduates from the academy, yeah, and goes into action the next year, and they're, they're gone. So it's very solemn as well, but it's full of celebration and the, the uniforms and uh, all the pomp and circumstance. And, and just... And just in a football aspect, the game last night was really good, and oh, especially yeah. the ending because it was really intense. Yeah, uh, the army was at fourteen thirteen, I believe. Yeah, with three seconds left. Three seconds left. Navy had a forty-eight yard field goal. Yeah, which did go far enough, but it went a little wide. It was left. It, yeah, it was a little left heavy, and it it, it was so close, but. And that sealed the deal. They missed it, and then just everyone piled onto the field. It was in, in all that snow. It was it was pretty magical. It's 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 the kind of game that a movie could be made about, almost. And maybe seriously, will be. yeah. Maybe Bruckheimer's the guy for that. <laughs> the uh, most valuable player was Ahmad Bradshaw, who was quarterback for Army. It was snowing so hard that you couldn't really have an air game. You couldn't throw the ball very much. Yeah, it was a total ground game. Yeah, anything more than about twenty yards, you you would lose sight of the ball. It was snowing that hard, so they had to basically stay on the ground. Yeah, I think he scored. He threw one t- uh, one forward pass in the whole game, mm. 20 yards, and it was a completion. There's a lot of running. And everything else. And he did the running himself. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Yeah. He didn't always hand it off to a running back. He would take the ball himself. He was really the best runner on the team. He scored a touchdown in that game mm. as, as quarterback, and, and uh, they were amazing. It was so exciting. Mm-hmm. Now we got to wait in a year for the next one. A year for the next Army-Navy game. Now, both teams are back in action because the, the Army-Navy game is just a game they always play. But right. they both happen to be in bowl games this year, as it turns out. Army's got a better record than Navy. I think they're like... 8-3 uh, and... Yeah, or I think 9-3 now. Oh, they yeah, won nine, that game. well, yeah, 9-3. Army plays Virginia and the Military Bowl on the 28th of December. And five days before that, on a Thursday, Army plays... No, sorry, on a Saturday, Army plays San Diego State in Texas at the uh, Armed Forces Bowl. So they're both back in action. Cool. But the Army-Navy game, you got to wait a year now for the for the next one. But if you if, if we're still around, uh, <laughs> maybe the, the podcast before, I'll try to remind people to watch that. It mm. is so, so cool. And it's such tradition and such history. And uh, Navy had a 14-game winning streak until last year when Army finally beat them. Mm. And then Army beat them again. <laughs> So it's, and Army's motto is beat Navy, and Navy's motto is beat Army. You know? <laughs> it's, it's great. It's good fun. It's, it's fun because there's so much respect on both sides for each other and stuff. So it's it's a really fun game. Yeah. There's not a lot of spit talking. Going no. On. I mean, these are all well, clean cut yeah. people. And uh, they like to party, but they're very, very uh, respectful of the job they're about to go out and do on behalf of, yeah. of the United States and the free world. Absolutely. So uh, they're great guys and props to them. That was a great, well well done game, both mm. sides. Felt bad for the kicker there at the end. Oh, man, he, the devastation on his face. Imagine. Yeah. You know. Uh. Crazy. Hopefully, he's probably hoping they don't make a movie so they don't have to highlight his mistake there at the yeah. end. And, and with the win, Army wins the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, which doesn't always happen. The Commander-in-Chief Trophy is handed out to Army, Navy, or Air Force. And the Air Force Academy has won it many times as well. So oftentimes the Army-Navy game is not about that trophy, but yesterday's game, Saturday's game, it was. Hmm. So they got to, to hand that out. First time Army's won it in 21 years. Wow, that's so huge. There you go. 
All right. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Thank you guys for for listening so far. We've smashed the record at uh, uh, one hour and twenty eight minutes. Not, no, no. Is that right? Yeah. I think awesome. the previous record was one hour and seventeen. So. Thanks for putting up with us. Yes. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, hope you can hit the subscribe button. If you're new, if you like this uh, podcast or this video, hit the like button. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play Music or whatever podcaster you use, we really appreciate that. Uh, I'm not sure how many people actually actively listen just audibly and don't watch on YouTube. I'd be interested to know that, I guess. Can I throw one thing in that I didn't throw in before? You go. I, you, I throw, you're, you throw it right in. I didn't say who the Army was uh, representing this time because every year they pick a different theme. It was the 10th Mountain Division that uh, fought in the Alps in World War II. Sorry about that. Boom. I, boom. I yeah, I'd like to know that too. How many do? Do listen. Like I know the numbers of downloads of, of of the podcast, but I don't know if that's like active downloads or automatic downloads because it just they have it set to automatically download when the podcast releases. Like I I think Jason listens to the podcast while he works, and I won't say what he does for work, but uh, I I know he listens to the podcast. He might even watch it again as well. I, I'm not I don't know, but uh, I listen to it just to hear mainly the production value and hear what it sounds like. Okay. I, I can, it's not, not for the content, because I kind of know what we said, but. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were here? Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to, oh, I want to, so, okay. Jason and I originally, this is breaking news. Uh, maybe he doesn't want me to say this, but uh, we, we, I mean, specifically what I'm going to say, what it was called. So Jason and I tried to start a YouTube channel a couple of years ago, I think it was 2015, and uh, we've said that on the channel before, but we had, didn't say what it was called or what it was about. And it was called The Fishbowl, and it never received a public video, but we have we had a few filmed or whatever. But And the idea was that we'd have a fishbowl with r- rocks, or like fish tank rocks, and then we bought, or he bought, uh, fish USB devices. Uh, they're right over there. There's like 10 of them or whatever, and that we would have submissions of questions or topics like one might be like star wars like the talk about star wars for the next 30 minutes so we take one out we put it in the computer and we wouldn't know what it was because we'd have a third party person get the topics and put them on the usb drive so i would plug it in it would pop up on the screen and uh, we then we just talk about it we 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 would start the show not knowing what we're going to talk about that way we could be no planning it was just straight off the top of our heads Uh, unfortunately it didn't really work out we didn't we didn't really have enough confidence uh, in our personalities on camera, so that that was the main reason. But I like the idea, so I'd like to do that. I, I'd like to make the fishbowl a part of the Post to Post podcast. And the way I'm going to do that is for people to submit questions in the comment section um, on YouTube, on the YouTube video, the like this podcast video on YouTube. Uh, ask a question and just start it off by saying fishbowl question and then ask the question. I'll screenshot those, and uh, I'll screenshot the best ones. I'll put a question on each uh, fish USB drive, put them in the bowl. It'll be sitting here next week. And then uh, probably at the beginning or the end of the podcast, doesn't really matter, I'll take one out, put it in the computer here, and it'll pop it on the screen, and it'll be a question uh, for you or something for us to talk about. So Cool. Yeah, so if you guys want to leave your questions down below for that, that would be cool. And yeah, like I said, if you're new here, hit the subscribe button. If you like the video, hit the like button. Thanks for listening or watching whatever you're doing. We really, we really appreciate everyone who not only listens to the podcast, but makes it this far in the podcast and listens to the end. So uh, kudos to you, shout out, and uh, we'll see you in 
podcast number 26 on December 17th, I think. Podcast number 27. Podcast, what I say? You said 26. Oh, podcast number 27 <laughs> on the 17th. Right. <laughs> there on. we go. All right. Catch you guys later. Adios. Adios.